thanks for joining me for the final episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast in 2021. I'm your host, Rachel. It's been quite a year, and I'm glad we've gotten to experience this together, hearing so many amazing stories of people who are leading the Bottom Up Revolution in their towns and cities. If you have recommendations for 2022 guests, please send them my way. Just email rachel at strongtowns.org. Today's guest got his start in a church basement. As he describes it, he was a guy who just cared about biking and transportation access and started noticing a need in his community of Salem, Oregon. Kirk Seifert heard about some neighbors who were walking miles to their third shift jobs because they didn't own cars and the city bus service shut down during evenings and weekends. He thought that access to bikes might make a difference for these guys, and he was right. That spark of an idea has since grown into a nonprofit called the Northwest Hub that reclaims and refurbishes bikes for low-income people, teaches bike maintenance class, and provides job training for young people, plus a lot more. It's a great example of an organization that has adapted over time based on community needs. In this conversation, you'll hear from Seifert about how his program got started, the issues they've been working on, and how you might implement something similar in your city. We have a saying at Strong Towns that small improvements in bike infrastructure and access are some of the most high return investments you can make in your city. You will see how true that is in this story. Kirk Seifert, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It is good to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. So can you start, before we get into your work specifically, can you just tell us a little bit about you and your community? I live in Salem, Oregon. I grew up here and have lived elsewhere and and worked and studied abroad, but ended up returning about 10 years ago. Came back to actually serve as an interim minister at a small Presbyterian church in that process of kind of plugging into a more urban setting than kind of the suburbs that I'd grown up in. Sort of saw our community with fresh eyes and fresh perspective. We were really surrounded by basically a lot of a lot of need. We relocated to a neighborhood that was just a block from the homeless outreach shelter transition program and a drop-in center and a free clinic. And we're just kind of surrounded by all of these Northwest Human Services, a lot of social service providers and so forth, and kind of stumbled into a neighborhood and lived in a parsonage next to a church that was really kind of kind of cut off from engagement and awareness, I think, of, of how to relate to the neighborhood, how to help the neighborhood, how to serve the neighborhood. The last decade have kind of been a journey in, in asking ourselves the question of how do we meet the, the particular needs um, that are very much all around us. I know that you helped to found maybe this organization called the Northwest Hub, or you are at least the current leader. How did that come about? And like, what need was that trying to address? As I said, I I stepped into this role at at, this small church. I wasn't intending to stay long term. I was just kind of filling in until they called a minister who would take over. That That was the plan. At that time, there was 
a lot of um, entropy, um, and the church was quite small, and most people drove to church on Sunday, and then, you know, the doors were pretty much closed most of the week, except for, you know, a small Wednesday gathering, and it wasn't really drawing anyone from the neighborhood. It was just folks kind of coming in. I'd done some outreach, kind of leadership at a church in Vancouver, British Columbia. I just ended up kind of being given and sort of stepping into the role of Minister of Outreach was sort of my working title at that time. We made a number of efforts to try to kind of engage with the neighborhood. And among other things, I was uh, doing chapel services at the Union Gospel Mission, which was just down the street, and got to know some of the folks there. And a few of them had kind of integrated into uh, fellowship at the church, which is Great to see some of the people we were engaging with um, through outreach actually plugging in and connecting. I soon kind of learned that there were some real barriers to their success that maybe we had an ability to help them with. And specifically, there were a couple of gentlemen um, who worked, you know, low wage jobs, wanted a Taco Bell five miles east of town, and the other stocking shelves at a Walmart several miles from the mission. And they were trying to get back on their feet, reclaim their lives from just a bad situation. What I discovered in their case, and this is almost universal, people with employment barriers, and particularly if they don't have a home address and they're living at the mission, um, do not typically get nine to five jobs. They're getting night shifts, weekend shifts, swing shifts. And so both of these gentlemen were walking four and five miles each way, respectively, to minimum wage jobs. I've been a cyclist all of my life and almost a previous life many years earlier had had worked at and managed a bicycle shop. And so I just threw out the idea of what if I can get, just get some bikes fixed up and get you a commuter package, some lights, a lock and so forth, and uh, you could commute to work. And it was it was a real game changer in, in their lives to just be able to have you know, essential transportation. That was kind of the the genesis, I guess, of the whole idea. You asked about the town that I live in earlier, and I didn't give you much detail, but I grew up in Salem, but in kind of a more suburban area. I wasn't really uh, acutely aware of some of the immense need that is all around us in this town and, and getting worse in many ways as housing and other, you know, crises happen. But what I discovered in addressing this issue for these two gentlemen was that So Salem is the capital of Oregon, which is notable because our state law uh, mandates that all state correctional facilities are headquartered in the capital. We have 22 facilities that incarcerate adults and juveniles in, in, in Salem. And we also had no bus service nights or weekends at that time. I should also mention that a lot of social service providers um, are also headquartered here in the city. So among them, we, we have the state psychiatric hospital, which is, of course, the only place a lot of people can get, can get psychiatric support. So you have people dealing with just the barriers to employment of incarceration, of homelessness, of mental illness, and kind of the list goes on and on. And then we had no infrastructure to actually get those people where they needed to go when they needed to get there most. Again, bicycles are something that um, I've spent a good number of years in uh, of my life commuting exclusively by bicycle. So I know it can be done and it's sustainable and it's inexpensive and determined kind of, hey, this could actually be 
a good answer for people at minimum, at least transitionally until they're kind of back on their feet and have some more support or, you know, maybe a job that that schedules them when the buses actually run and so forth. So that was kind of the beginning. We've never launched an outreach or, or an effort at the hub that wasn't first a presenting need that that was, you know, in our face, you know, kind of challenging us to try to to try to develop some solution to. And so though I'd helped a couple of guys, you know, with bikes, you know, a decade ago who were living at the mission, when I started to communicate with other people in town who worked directly with parolees and other programs, they got really excited about this idea of distributing bicycle commuter packages. As one gentleman who ran the Demunas Parolee Resource Center at the time told me, he said, transportation's the number one obstacle for most of my clients. And in that, if it was drug treatment, if it was, you know, maybe temporary housing vouchers, if it was a number of other things, there might actually be a resource where, you know, he could help, he could find something. But when it came to transportation, it was like, oh, yeah, we just kind of scratch our head is what he told me. And so and that's where we started to try to partner and, and seek some support to really launch something that could at least begin to address the magnitude of need that we had regarding transportation in this city. Initially, I was just working with our uh, referrals from a parolee resource center. So it was a nice, tidy little outreach that I did a day a week and I'd get emails and they'd, you know, send a couple people over, you know, every Wednesday and we'd get them rolling and so forth. Well, once the word started to get out, I had crowds of people outside waiting for help. So a lot of need. A lot of need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what has the Northwest Hub now grown into? Like what are your, your basic services that you offer and kind of how do you operate? We tried to just, you know, develop programming in response to to a presenting need in our community. So first and foremost, we support help with transportation, which in the which is in the form of a bicycle commuter package. Anybody referred to us who needs a bicycle, whites, lock, helmet, etc. We just to the degree possible actually have them involved in the reclamation process. So they can select the bike um, and then we help them refurbish it. Um, so are you getting like donated bikes and then you're fixing them up? So we are. Yeah. Yeah. Originally, we only had bikes donated to us. But then I also realized that trying to meet one need sometimes kind of it sort of intersects with another need in the community. And I got an email from Marion County Environmental Services. And they had told me several years back that, you know, thousands of bikes are going into the landfill. And so we ended up actually working with them to develop a waste management program where we could divert that waste stream and process all of those bicycles and reclaim what we could and separate and, and recycle everything else. That's so great. Wow. We do waste management with with the county and then another kind of program that that soon developed was you know we ended up working with a lot of people that came for transportation but because we also provided for those that were interested a little bit of mechanical repair training and kind of tried to get them involved in a meaningful way if 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 they wanted to participate and wanted to help out it was 
certainly kind of win-win if if they could acquire some skills and some confidence and we had the help that they could provide as as to to better meet the need for bicycles I realized, you know, pretty early on, we had folks that had kind of become an integral part of the operation. But, you know, six months later, eight months later, they got a bicycle, which was well and good, but they still couldn't find work. You know, they're still living at the mission. And so we determined that we needed to try to create a more intensive job training, kind of vocational training and transitional employment program, sometimes working with different agencies like Easter Seals and, of course, Voc Rehab. But also in the last several years, I think I mentioned earlier that the Northwest Hub, where we do all this bike reclamation and distribution, is is within just blocks of different social services providers. Um, and one of them was the Homeless Outreach Shelter Transition Program. These are young adults who oftentimes end up at host just temporarily, but really struggling to kind of transition and, and their program was really wanting to see more, more opportunity arise and, and transition these kids successfully. And we were working with them and, and built some fleets of bicycles so that their residents could get around and look for work and commute to work if they landed a job, et cetera. But a lot of those kids needed something more intensive. So we launched a program three years ago called Frame Up, which we tried to address kind of more holistically the need that they had. We wanted to give them technical training, which is well and good, but we also wanted to develop a more therapeutic environment. And so we have actually a psychiatrist who works with and supports and kind of develops kind of a plan for each of the participants. And then after a few months of training, they actually come on the payroll, and then we have a six-month transitional employment period. And then we kind of transition them from there into, into educational opportunities, um, employment opportunities elsewhere. And are they doing like bike maintenance and, and helping out with the work of the shop? So they do, yeah. The ideal is that every participant reaches a level of proficiency where they can pretty confidently really contribute to some of a lot of the essential tasks that need to be carried out. So yes, the training includes kind of a wide variety so of things. So they do reclamation, they do some basic repairs, they do some kind of inventory management, like support and assistance, and then customer service and point of sale. So yeah, they they do a little bit of everything and then usually kind of kind of plug into one area that's, you know, they're kind of most passionate about. That's great. I mean, those seem like very transferable job skills too for other jobs. But also just the bike maintenance. I mean, I'm someone who has commuted by bike at various times in my life and uh, certainly like use my bike to get around a lot now, even though I work from home, so I don't need to commute. I have yet to take a bike maintenance class and it's been on my list for forever because it's something that like if you know how to do that, it's you could save a lot of money and you can just feel like a lot more self-reliant versus like, oh, getting a flat and it's like an emergency. Those are great skills for anyone to have, but especially people that are, you know, young and trying to figure out their career. So that's fantastic. The idea of the hub was always that it was going to be a community resource, really broadly speaking. So the pandemic certainly threw a wrench into things, but 
we have repair education classes that we also um, offer just the broader community. And then we have public workstations. So the idea has always been that um, we can provide people the skills and also the tools quite literally to maintain their own bicycles and not necessarily rely on rely on a professional who they have to then, you know, pay to fix their bicycles. What are some of the the results that you're most proud of over your time leading the Northwest Hub so far? I know a lot of folks and sometimes I don't necessarily know, you know, right away, sometimes months or, or you know, even a year later, we'll sometimes have someone that, that come in that got a bike and that access to transportation was was pretty instrumental in them being able to seek employment more broadly or take a job that, you know, they would have would have been, you know, just unrealistic had they not had um, something as simple as just a bike commuter package. So I think hearing stories where the hub at least played a role in someone's success and kind of transformation from a pretty difficult situation is always exciting. As far as the empowerment piece, a lot of the folks, I mean, and about half of our current staff actually all came through employment training programs. So facing some kind of employment barrier. So just seeing that transformation over time, it's a rewarding thing to see. For a lot of people who do have opportunity to seek employment elsewhere, one of the things that tends to be actually more instrumental even than the than the transportation is actually just the opportunity to play a meaningful role in the organization. So, you know, folks that come to us are, are oftentimes not in a situation where they're exuding confidence and they, you know, are told that their time and their skills have value. And so we want to credit them, you know, non-monetarily toward, you know, whatever they need. That opportunity and that sense of ownership of what they receive, but more importantly, the confidence that results in in knowing that they're contributing meaningfully is is really integral to the program. And then what are you uh, looking forward to for the future of the Northwest Hub? Any like new initiatives or things going on in 2022? There are some new initiatives. I spoke about transportation barriers in the context of, of our early days, which which were oftentimes the result of, you know, a criminal history or being unhoused or um, any number of things. But in more recent years, there's populations that we didn't serve early on because uh, they weren't being relocated to Salem, but refugee resettlement started in Salem um, because the cost of resettling in Portland was, was so expensive. So refugee resettlement is something that we have have began doing, I think five years ago is, is when it began happening here in, in Salem. And then, of course, in recent years, um, the number of folks resettling has been has been limited, but that is just picking up again. And, and there's quite a number of families. We're already in communication with each family coming in and whether or not they need bicycles and how many and so forth. So we can, we can try to address that need. I would say a program that I'm most excited about is actually serving farm workers. So uh, predominantly, but not exclusively migrant in kind of the rural areas surrounding Salem. So mostly Northeast of us, that was spearheaded by one of our staff, Jesus Gutierrez, and he 
had just connections and and uh, you know personal experience when his father um, when he migrated uh, worked as a farm worker and so he kind of has gained access to and partnered with um, Aware Food Bank and the Department of Health um, in Marion County. And so trying to provide services around transportation and nutrition and health and, and medical services at camps just around the valley here. So that that's an exciting opportunity just because there's so little access and there's so few providers that are actually meeting their needs. So it's exciting to be a part of that and, and to see where that can go. Yeah, that's very exciting. So to close us out here, I want to ask what advice would you give to someone that's listening to this and is excited about you know trying to make bikes more accessible in their communities to people in need? Is there you know advice you would have for someone who wanted to start an initiative like this? I would say feel free to contact us because I think that the idea of of, of the hub is one that is completely replicable, um, even on a small scale with very, very minimal resources. We started in about a 350 square foot church basement. So, and it was, you know, one guy with a little bit of, uh, <laughs> a little bit of knowledge about bikes and a few tools. The potential with, I think, you know, any any community who wants to address this need, if they just have a little bit of space, and I think, and I think a commitment to just addressing this need, that it, it's totally replicable. So, as I mentioned earlier, because we're in the capital and there is kind of this concentration of need here, that you know, we had to scale quite a bit to even begin to really to really make a, a significant difference. But in rural communities, the barriers to transportation are as bad or worse than they are in an urban setting, right? So I think that actually, you know, any any community center, any church basement, any garage could serve a smaller scale need for a smaller community with a handful of volunteers and, and a couple of workstations and bicycles are a resource that again, can be diverted from the waste stream can be donated um, from friends and neighbors and congregants who, you know, just aren't using the things and we need to put these resources um, into the hands of the people that really need them and can most benefit. So yeah, I think uh, it's it's totally replicable. I've seen kind of spontaneously some you know things pop up in in other communities, and I think that um, when in whatever way we can help, we are happy to do so. So, I've shared some of our repair repair ed curriculum with with other programs and some of our policies and things, um, just so people can kind of not have to reinvent the wheel if 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 they're trying to trying to develop something um, from the ground up. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. I'll make sure to share links to your, your website too, so people can check that out and um, potentially get in touch with you if they want to discuss further. Yeah. One of the big challenges I would say is, you know, at least on a larger scale is just kind of sustainability, of course. And so, you know, early on we were supported um, by a church and then by grants and so forth. In Smaller rural communities, oftentimes there isn't actually um, a bicycle shop. <laughs> so 
most most small communities can't support a bicycle shop. It is our model because we also provide um, income based sales and so forth. So um, people with resources to support what we do can also pay for repair services so that we can keep the lights on. And so I think um, small communities that want to refurbish and distribute bikes can also meet actually a market demand simultaneously, which is complementary, and then gives, in our case, our job trainees and program participants a, a real world work experience that's then transferable. So that's kind of been our model where um, we could also create a social business that would enable us to scale and provide that real world work experience simultaneously. So kind of always trying to kind of strike that balance there where we can sustain programming and and, and serve the broader need in the community, no income, low income, kind of any income for those that want to, you know, just patronize the entire operation. Yeah, makes sense. Well, Kirk Seifert, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing about your work. I think it'll be definitely inspiring for people listening. So thanks for being a guest here today. Yeah, thank you so much. If you appreciated this story, which had a a loose connection to a church community, um, you can read a lot more articles in this series. We are featuring uh, throughout this month and next month some stories about religious communities that have chosen to do community outreach, that have special connections with their neighborhoods, that are really doing the work to be part of the bottom-up revolution. So if you want to read more in this series about faith communities, head to strongtowns.org slash faith. All right, friends, that is our show for the year. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And a special thanks to everybody who supports the show and this movement as a member. If you want to make a donation to support the future of the bottom-up revolution, please visit strongtowns.org slash membership to donate today. And I would especially encourage you to donate soon because If you donate in the next couple of weeks, you will get our exclusive 2021 member sticker only available for the next couple of weeks. So hit that up. Really appreciated getting to spend the year sharing all these stories with you all. I hope you have a wonderful holiday, whatever you're celebrating. Happy New Year. And we will see you back in 2022.